Dear friends in Christ, you're at the grocery store. You've got your cart all full. You want to get home to start cooking supper for your family. And someone cuts in front of you in line. They have a load of things too on their cart. It's going to take forever. But they seem to think their time is more important. Steam starts coming from your ears, right? You're on the freeway. And you're just traveling along. All of a sudden, a car cuts in front of you, just about clips your front fender. Oh, you get angry. How can people do this? Or someone spreads false rumors about you at work. Maybe even gets you fired. Maybe that results in you being dishonorably discharged or whatever. Oh, now it's not just smoke coming out of your ears. You're angry. What are you going to do about this? This this can't be. It's not fair. There are all kinds of people in this world. People who do things that are wrong, wicked things. <clears throat> and how do we deal with these things? Well, it's fortunate, once again, we have someone to turn to when we have to deal with people who are mean to us, who hurt us, who are just evil in general. Jesus. Jesus will show us the way. He even gives us a promise when we do follow what he says. So let us now turn to see uh, <clears throat> what Jesus is going to show us on how to face our enemies. He says, your reward will be great. So we look forward to that. So we turn to Luke chapter 6. We're continuing the reading. This is that sermon, uh, which in Matthew is called the Sermon on the Mount. It may be the same one here in Luke. Sometimes it's called the Sermon on the Plain, but it was still on the mountainside. But we're just continuing the reading from last week. Uh, where we read, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. It is important to note how Jesus starts this section. But to you who are listening, I say. Not everyone can take in what Jesus is saying here. Only those who are listening, not just standing around hearing, but listening, taking it in. Those who are believing what Jesus is teaching. Because these people realize they are sinners. And they trust that Jesus is their Savior from sin. They are sinners too, and, but they have been redeemed. They have been forgiven. This is actually you know, the basis, the most important thing Jesus went out to preach. After John the Baptist quit, it says Jesus went out and preached repentance and forgiveness of sins. Repentance and faith. 
Repent and believe. That was the basis. So those that are listening, this is their basis. And only those people can really take this in. In fact, this whole sermon here, as well as the one in Matthew, it says at the very beginning, this is addressed to the disciples. He taught his disciples. There are many other people around, but this is directed to his disciples. Um, now, these people who are believing like this, they, they remember something. They remember God's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world by nature is at enmity with God, is an enemy of God, and that includes us. All people have rebelled against God, they've broken his laws, they've sinned, made a mess of things in this world. God created mankind, the first human beings, to be holy. But we are no longer holy. We are sinners. We've rebelled against God. And still, he loves us. This is not the kind of love the world knows. Usually when people talk about loving someone in this world, it's because of some kind of mutual attraction, mutual like, I love you because we think alike. I love you because you're nice to me. I love you because I'm attracted to you. And that can change over time, can't it? That's the kind of love the world thinks about. But the, wor the word love here, we often call it agape love because that's the word from the Greek language that describes this kind of love. Greek has several words for love. It's, the word, it's a love not of the feelings or of attraction, but of the will. The will to do something good for the other person, no matter if that person is worthy of it or what they say or what they do. This will still wants to do something good for them, and that's love. And God willed to do good for the sinful people of this world, even though they didn't they were sinners. And so he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. In our most latest translation, we've taken that word back because, you know, we've all become adopted children of God, but he only had one begotten son, the only begotten Jesus Christ. And he sacrificed him. He gave him up for the people of this world, sent him to earth, to become a human being, to take the sins of all mankind, take them to the cross, and there he suffered the abandonment of his heavenly Father and death itself to pay for those sins so that the people of this world can be uh, forgiven, made right in God's sight. Uh, <clears throat> now when we look at those who have sinned, against us. Can we show that same kind of love that God shows to the world and seek their good and not their harm? That is what Jesus is showing us to do here. Then, when we 
do that. Then we can ask God to bless them, the people who harmed us. We can, we can pray that God send good to them. When they hurt us, we don't retaliate. When they take something from us, we don't fight them. We let them have what they seem to think they need. Now, when we think about this, we shouldn't think that God is not just, that he is not concerned with sin. Uh, because he is. He is a just God, as well as a loving God. And, but our job is to you know, do good for them. Love your enemies. Paul helps us understand that when he writes, we've just heard this, Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And Paul is quoting from when Moses spoke this, when God spoke this through Moses some 1,400 years earlier. God is serious about sin, about justice. But he's saying here, let God take care of that justice. He can and he will. Now, it may not be the way we think it should be done. It may not be on our timetable. You know, the guy cuts you off and you think, I hope he runs into the ditch. I hope the police pick him up. Well, probably won't happen. Maybe it won't happen. God's got his own timetable. Uh, it may not take place until they reach, until they reach hell. And there it will be serious. Though even here, sometimes you look at the rich and famous and they're enjoying the good life, it seems. They're not experiencing God's vengeance, but maybe they are internally. A lot of these people are not happy. Maybe God's expressing his vengeance in that way. We don't know. We let God take care of it. Now, in a temporal way, uh, God takes care of vengeance through governing authorities. Paul says a few verses after this one, Rulers are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. This is God's system here on earth. We don't personally take vengeance. He has his agents, his representatives here on earth. They take it. They take care of this. Now, as happens on this earth, this doesn't work perfectly because all of these agents of God's wrath are sinners themselves. Sometimes they mess up. They make mistakes. They don't carry out their job as they should. Some sometimes really badly. Sometimes even intentionally because they have evil thoughts of their own. Uh, they have to answer to God. We leave it in God's hands and in the hands of the people that he has chosen to take that out. And on our part, we love our enemies. Bless them. Pray for them. After all, we, like God, want them to repent and to come to faith, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> we have God's love. Uh, now, acting in this way does require faith. It requires trusting in God. Trust that, that God loves us. Trust that God that he will take care of us in the face of these enemies, when we do these things 
in the way he shows us to do them. So it leads us to the truth, the first truth we're going to learn here is that Jesus tells us to be kind and not vengeful. Be kind and not vengeful. We'll sum it up with those words, even though there are others that can go with it. And we go on to some more verses in this text. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will be not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. In fact, the measure with which you measure will be measured back to you. Now, being nice to someone that hurts us, we can kind of force ourselves to do that sometimes when we really don't even feel like it, right? Now, that isn't carrying out the Lord's imperative, but sometimes we can fake it. Now, being forgiving, that's a matter of the heart. That's much harder to fake. Um, but this is how our Lord tells us to love our enemies, to face them, is to be forgiving and not uh, <coughs> judgmental. Of course, we do condemn sin like God does, but he doesn't want us to be judgmental or condemning. Well, how does this work? We can look at an incident in Jesus' life to see how this works. Jesus one day was in the temple courts in Jerusalem teaching. And he had a group of people gathered around him and he was teaching. And then all of a sudden come these, a group of, of Pharisees and scribes hauling this woman along, dragging her in, and stand right in the middle of the group Jesus is teaching. And they say, Jesus... We caught this woman in adultery. Now, doesn't God's law say that she must be stoned? Now, God did indeed give that law in the Old Testament as part of their civil law, the way their government was supposed to work, emphasizing the importance of marriage uh, and the, the horribleness of adultery. It, elevates, it really elevates adultery to put it on level with murder. In fact, once talked to a woman who was uh, divorced by her husband because he had been sleeping with his secretary almost since they'd been married. And I'd said this, you know, is this elevated to that level? And she says, no, adultery is worse than murder. It is terrible. It is something that's, that's bad. Uh, but that law that God gave in the Old Testament like that was intended for that the stoning should be for both the man and the woman. And she was caught in adultery, so therefore there was a man there, but who do they bring in? Just the woman. Unfortunately, it happens in this world like that. So we can see here already that you know, their intent was really not just justice. They, they really wanted uh, to test and to trap Jesus. Now, what does Jesus do? Well, he kind of leans down, writes in the dirt with a stick. Looks like he's ignoring them, but they keep saying, Well, Jesus, what about this? Shouldn't she be stoned? Come on, Jesus. And Jesus finally gets up and he says, Okay. Whoever among you is without sin, you can cast the first stone. What they do? They started walking away. 
one by one. They started walking away. These men would have been all men that would have been gathered there, probably not only just thinking, well, I'm not free of sin. They probably had even their own sins. Maybe some of them had actually committed adultery themselves. Many of them perhaps had had lustful thoughts for other women. And they were, oh, yeah, I can't do this to her. And pretty soon they're all gone. So it's not that Jesus said, no, this shouldn't be the case. It's just the people that were going to do this all walked away. And so there, Jesus is standing there with this woman, just the two of them. And no one left to condemn her. And Jesus tells her, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and do not sin anymore. He could tell her this because it was obvious to him that she had come to realize she was a sinner and she had repented of her sin. And now she should go and live in that repentance. After all, she had been you know, caught. She had been publicly humiliated. And now she was repentant. So now go and sin no more. Um, you see, that sin of adultery was still a terrible sin. In Jesus' sight, this was a heinous thing that she had done. But he doesn't condemn her because he has forgiven her. He was on his way to the cross to pay the price for her sin also. And so, yeah, he doesn't condemn her, even though it is bad, because he has forgiven her. So we can see here what Jesus means when he tells us to forgive and not to condemn or judge. We do not condone sin. We condemn it. We're careful not to judge when there is not a reason to, although sometimes, you know, Jesus judged uh, <clears throat> the Pharisees, told them some pretty harsh things about what they had been doing. All of this, of course, was in the name of, he wanted to call them to repentance. He wanted them to, to believe. Uh, but, you know, we can forgive people in our hearts even without saying it to them. Sometimes we can't because they haven't repented. But we can forgive. To forgive means to let go. Let go of the anger. Let go of the resentment. Let go of the felt need for some kind of justice, some kind of revenge. Got to get justice on this thing. Let it go. That's what forgiveness is. Let it go in your heart. Now, if they confess their sin, recognize it, you may be able to express it to them. But in our heart, we've already forgiven them, even as God has already forgiven everyone in this world. Um, he has already let go of the anger for all the sins we have committed because he has suffered for them. He's already paid the price for them. And he announces that to us in his word. Why we start our every su Sunday morning service with that you know, we confess our sins and then we hear this. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus has forgiven. He's taken away your guilt. Uh, we can get that when we read Scripture at home. We can see those passages which in different ways tell us your sin is forgiven. He has removed your guilt. As far as east is from the west, so far as he put your sins away from you. Uh, 
And so reflecting that forgiveness, then we can forgive those around us who have wronged us, whether friend or enemy. We let it go. We let go of the need to get even. We let go of the need for anger. And we live in peace, as Paul encouraged us in that one reading. Live in peace with those as far as we can. We live as forgiven and forgiving. So the second truth we learn is that Jesus tells us to be forgiving, not judgmental. Now, I'll review a couple passages, a couple of verses we already had, and a couple of others that tell about Jesus' promise here. He says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be poured into your lap. In fact, the measure with which you measure will be measured back to you. Your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. You know, in general, there are blessings when we do what God says, when we do good things, and there are bad things can happen to us when we do not do that, when we break God's law. This is a general principle because God carefully designed all the laws he has given us to be the best ways we can act toward other people in this world to have the most harmonious and smoothest life that we can possibly have in this world. He has designed those laws around that. So it's natural that when you do those things, then things will go well. And when you don't do those things, things will go badly. Of course, that's a general thing because we live in a sinful world where things get kind of mixed up there, but still. But here, Jesus gives us specific promises when we love our enemies. He says, there will be a reward. It will be measured back to you. Now, we do have to remember these are rewards of grace, not of merit. You know, for example, he says, you will be sons, uh, <clears throat> you will be sons of the Most High. Now, how do we, we do not get to be sons of the Most High by doing these things. And John tells us, to those who believe in his name, in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become the children of God. We become children of God through faith in Jesus, from the things that Jesus did to redeem us, we then become his children. Now, when we love our enemies and are forgiving and kind, we are showing ourselves to be God's children. We are living as God's children. Yeah, you will be, you will act as God's children when you do these things because you already are his children. <clears throat> when we love our enemies, we are reflecting the love that our Lord shows us and we will be blessed. So the third truth we learn is Jesus tells us we will be blessed in being loving and forgiving. So what now? Let's go back to the scenarios we started with. You're at the supermarket, and somebody cuts you off, and you're even in a hurry. Can you be uh, kind and accepting of that? 
and be nice to them, greet them kindly, uh, give them space to get in ahead of you. Can you do that? How about if somebody cuts you off on the freeway, almost clipping your fender? Can you be nice? And you, yeah, maybe wave at them, let them in, give them room, uh, ask, you know, be forgiving to these people that have been rude to you. Someone has just taken credit in front of your boss for something that you did. And maybe that person gets the promotion that you thought you were in line to get. Can you turn the other cheek? Congratulate them? Be nice to them? Greet them kindly? A family member, maybe even a spouse, always berates you and belittles you and says bad things. Can you be friendly? Try to do good things for them? Oh, this is not easy, is it? Um, <clears throat> it takes remembering what Jesus did for us and for others, especially on the cross, where he was not only paying the price for our sins, but he's also showing he was also forgiving to those who crucified him. He was nice to his mother, who was not his enemy, but still he was nice to them, to the women that were escorting him. He was just nice while all this was happening to him. It takes trust in God. Trust that in what Jesus is telling you in this section here is what will make your life go smoothly and, and harmoniously. At least as harmonious as it can be in the sinful world, there are always going to be people like this. There will always be trials and troubles um, until we get to heaven. But we remember Jesus in his life and on the cross, being kind and forgiving. We remember Jesus telling us to be kind and forgiving. And we remember Jesus' promises. So what now? When wrong, we remember Jesus to be kind and forgiving. So Jesus has shown us that Yes, people will be angry, people will be our enemies, but we can look to him. Look to him and be kind and forgiving to those around us. This is what's going to get us blessing. It's not easy, so we can pray. Jesus, help us to be kind and forgiving to our enemies. Amen.